The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Have you ever suffered for unfair reasons? <laughs> Me too. If so, how did you respond? How did you respond? Did you respond with anger towards that person? Did you feel sad? Were you anxious? Or were you confused and terrified about, I don't know how the situation is going to play out? Did you repay evil for evil? Did you slander back when you were slandered? Did you play the victim card? Did you shrink away and try to hide away from the situation? The, the Bible says that Christians have suffered for unfair reasons and that they will continue to suffer for unfair reasons. So today we're going to look at the, the Bible and what it tells us is the best way to respond to suffering. And what is our resource? So we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at the right resource for our hearts to hope in and how it helps us to have the right response. The right resource and the right response. So we're going to start with the right resource. Take a look at, take a look at verse 15 of the text we just read. Peter says this, but in, your, oh, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Here we find the right resource for our hearts, and is this, to value Christ the Lord as holy. But before we unpack what that means, I want to just take a look at the location of where Peter's telling us to honor Christ the Lord as holy. He tells us to do it in our hearts. He, he's not saying to put on a performance in front of a certain group of people that show you honor Christ, like at church or at home or at work or at school. And then when those people are gone, you are not the person honoring Christ. Um, this is how I used to live. When I was with my Christian friends, we would be Christian. And then when I went with my non-Christian friends, we would be non-Christian. Peter's telling us to honor Christ in our hearts. He's talking about the deepest place within us where we find the core of who we are. This is, this is the place where we find our true affections and true desires. This is the treasure chest for all your treasure. Whatever is in your heart will determine how you respond to all sorts of situations. And Peter is saying that the best thing to do is to honor Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts. So what does that mean, Christ the Lord? Well, we have Christ, which means the anointed one which means he was the promised king to come, and, and his father was going to establish his kingdom here. It also means he was a suffering servant that was going to take away our sins, that he was going to die for us, that the father would forgive us of our sins because this suffering servant is going to die for it. Christ. And also notice the Lord. Notice Peter's not saying, honor Christ a Lord, a Lord, like one of many lords, Peter's saying, Christ, the Lord, the Lord. <clears throat> He's saying this, 
that Jesus is Lord of everything. We are told that he is given the name above every name. Okay? We know that he is the Lord of lords. He is the king above kings. That every knee will bow to him and every tongue will confess his lordship. That's who Peter has in mind. Christ the Lord. We are to honor him. This same Lord, that he's the one who created all things. Jesus created the entire universe, all the cosmos. From the smallest grain of sand to the largest planet, Jesus created it. And um, all of creation will obey him at a moment's notice. I remember the story where he says, um, peace be calm during the storm. And instantly, the, the creation listened to him. It was still. He is the Lord. Christ the Lord. And we're to honor him as holy in our hearts. This holy is the absolute adoration and awesome view of who Jesus is. This means to value him above everything else. It's like setting him apart as most special, and nothing else competes with that at all. He's in a separate category. He's in a holy category. Nothing else is with him in that category. Jesus, the Lord, you are here. Everything else is over here. And Peter's saying, put that in your heart. In the holy of holies of your heart, put Christ there. Honor him. Treasure him. Find your satisfaction in him. This is so key. Um, and look, I know that there are times in our lives when this is not always the case. I mean, there's so many times in my life where my own heart wants to push Jesus aside, the Lord of everything, and follow other worthless lords. There's a, there are seasons in our, time, in our life where we put family as the most important resource for our hearts. There are times where we put friends or work or money as the most important resource for our hearts that when it comes to decision time, we would pick those things rather than Christ. It's true. I felt it many times, and I failed to make the right decision many times. Uh, I would like, what I'd like to do now is, is to think about an aspect of Jesus that will help us be satisfied in him, okay? Um, to, to reawaken our love for him, uh, to deepen our love for him. Um, turn big, back with me one chapter to chapter 2 of First Peter. And look what he says in verse 25. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. A better translation of overseer is guardian. Guardian for your soul. Jesus is the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's amazing. Can you think about it with me for a second? The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the creator of all the universe is considered your shepherd? Yes. Yes. We need to hang on to this. Because when we go through suffering, and it's scary, and we're not sure what to do, we have a shepherd. We have a guardian for our soul. I want to look at what Jesus says about this. I want, to, I want you to hear his own words about how he's a shepherd to you. Let's look at John chapter 10. 
There's a couple slides for this one. Okay. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by what? By name and leads them out. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves. He leaves the sheep and flees. He runs away. And the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own, and my own know me, just as what? Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. How amazing is that, right? He calls us by our name. He doesn't say fountain of life. <laughs> Come with me. He calls you out by name. He calls you John, Sheila, Matt, Dwai. He's calling you by name individually. That's a lot of care because if you're not there, he notices. He leads us. We just read in the psalm, he leads us by uh, green pastures and still waters. He calls us his own. See, Jesus is not um, just tending to us for another owner. He is our owner. He looks out for danger on our behalf. And this struck me so intensely because as a sheep, right, its main concern is I want to eat grass and just be near the shepherd. I don't care about that wolf that's gnarling at me, okay? I don't care about that cliff I'm walking towards. I just want some grass. I'm just walking around. I don't know what's going on around me. The shepherd is the one that's looking out for danger. He sees the wolf coming. And what's so amazing is that he, he doesn't run away when he sees the wolf coming. He's going to protect you. We just read uh, in Psalm 23 again, his rod and his staff, they what? Okay, so what, we, the staff is for leading the sheep. But what do you think the rod is for? The enemy, the wolf. He laid down his life for us. And he knows who is his own, and his own knows him. The same way the Father knows Jesus, and Jesus knows the Father. How deep is that? How deep is that? I don't even know my best friend that well, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but for Jesus and the Father to live eternally with each other in the perfect love and community, to know each other so deeply that heaven would open up and God would call out, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's what Jesus is saying, I know you just like that. Are you seeing how much he cares for us? Are you seeing it with me? 
He's fighting all our battles. The sheep cannot defend itself, right? So when suffering comes and it's scary like a wolf, what am I going to do? I can start to be, start having fear in my heart. I can start to feel anxious. I can start to feel worried. I can start to walk away, try to find my way. But if I remember, I have the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings as my shepherd and the guardian for my soul. You know what that does to my fear and my anxiety? <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? It's gone. It's gone. Okay, so as I mentioned before, the value of things over Christ, like family and friends, work and money, let's see if they can withstand the test, if they're the better resource than Jesus is. I want to bring up money. (laughs) So on the one side, we have Jesus as shepherd over our souls versus money. And I'm not saying money is evil, okay? I think we should work for it. I think we should, I mean, Peter just told us how to work, right, in the previous chapter. He told us to be honorable people. Um, I'm not saying family is evil. He told wives and husbands how to live with one another. I didn't say friends are evil. I mean, Peter didn't say that. Why? He says how to live in a community. I'm not saying what's evil. What I am saying, what is most important to you? What is the most important resource for your heart to hang on to? I want to see, can money sustain me through suffering for my joy? Can it do it? Let's see. I'm going to ask, okay, so can we gain satisfaction in Jesus where he becomes more and more holy and beautiful to you? Can you deepen your satisfaction in Jesus more and more? Yes or no? Yes, we should strive for that. We should live our lives to want to deepen our love for him more and more. Okay, can you ever lose what you have in Jesus? Never. No, you're his own. He would lay down his life for you. He did lay down his life for you. You can never lose the promise that you have in him, the promise of eternal life, the promise of his protection and care for you. You'll never lose that. Okay, can you gain more money? Maybe, (laughs) it depends on what you do. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) the answer is yes. But can you lose all your money? Can someone else take away your money? Shouldn't that be enough to be like, uh, no, that money is not good enough. If you are able to lose your best resource for your heart, when suffering comes and the money is gone, your joy is gone. Look, money can provide a sense of joy. It can provide a sense of security. It can provide a sense of control, right? If you have some money with you, yeah, you know, you, you can feel like you're going through life pretty good. You're solid. Once the money is gone, where's your joy? It's gone too. It's gone too. You're going to be filled with fear. You're going to be filled with sadness and anxiety. I mean, this, this happens to me. If I put my hope and trust in something, the minute it is gone, 
It's all my hope, all my joy, all my love, it's gone too. Peter saying, honor Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts because you're not going to lose him. You're not going to lose him. You will never lose the things that Jesus provides because you will never lose him. Or better said, he will never lose you. Those who belong to him belong to him for all eternity. You're his forever. You think a wolf is going to take you away from him? Do you think a bear is going to scare him off? He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Everything is subject to him. They would ask him for permission for your soul. He's not going to give it. There's no, he's not. He laid down his life to purchase you. He's not going to give you away for anything. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. Jesus, Christ the Lord. We've seen that Jesus is the right resource for our hearts, right? Now let's take a look at the right responding to suffering. So here I, we, we saw two different areas to respond. One is to our own heart, and one is to people who watch our example. So one's to our own heart, and one's to the people who watch our example. Number one, we will have less fear and more joy in our hearts when we suffer. Okay, let's prove it. Let's look at verse 13 and 14 back in our text in 1 Peter, chapter 3. Verse 13 and 14. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Stop right there. Here I see joy in suffering. I see joy in suffering. Look, the first part of it, the, the answer is implied. No one's going to really cause you harm. If you're really trying to be a good person, you're really trying to do good in your life, no one's going to really want to harm you. But there are some people who do want to harm you. That's just, that's how we, that's in the place, that's in the world we live in. And Peter is saying, if you should suffer for righteousness sake, for goodness sake, you will be blessed. Okay. I want you, I want us to hear Jesus on this subject too. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Jesus said, blessed are you when people, what? Hate you. And when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. What does it say? Rejoice in that day and for behold, your reward is great in heaven. When was the last time, I'm going to try this, <laughs> you're getting suffered, people are causing you pain and suffering for your faith in Jesus, and you went, woo! <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I can't remember that at all. If I'm suffering, I'm not rejoicing. I'm not, so excited, so happy. And Jesus tells us, no, you should be. You should be happy. Why, Jesus? For your reward is great. 
in heaven. Okay, so Jesus is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He created all the planets. He created the cosmos. He created the universe. He created everything. And then he says, your reward is great. What is great to Jesus? That's what he says. It's his promise. Your reward will be great in heaven. Your joy is not determined by your circumstances. It is determined by him. Uh, when we are not suffering, we have joy in him. And when we are suffering, we have joy in him. He doesn't leave and come back. The suffering does. Other resources do, but not him. We can have a lot of fluctuating resources in our life, and then our emotions are going to be up and down and all over the place. But when we have a solid shepherd, Lord, next to us, in our hearts, whether suffering comes and goes, we're rejoicing. We're rejoicing. We're happy. The next thing is, Peter tells us, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Verse 14. We should not fear the suffering we are in because our Lord who is sovereign over everything is our shepherd and guardian. I hope we're seeing this. Are you, are you guys following me here? We should not fear. Fear is, a, is an aspect that doesn't honor Christ. Not having joy during suffering is not honoring Christ. Because if we really believe it, right, when suffering happens, it will just come out of us. But how hard is that for us? How much, I have to tell you, I struggle with this a lot. I, I don't rejoice right away. Look what happened to me. I, there's a story that happened to me. I'm going to share it with you. Hopefully it's quick. It is. I'm not going to try to go into too much detail. But I work um, professionally. I do sound effects for movies and TV shows. And um, I, I, I work from home. It's awesome. There's a lot of work that comes in. It's, it's good stuff. And then um, there's a TV show that came on my table. And it's a, um, it's, it's going to pay well. Okay? It's going to help sustain my family. I'm going to be a good husband because I work and I'm bringing in the cheese, right? But this show is purposely made to mock Jesus. I'm not going to tell you what the show name is. I'm not going to try to promote it at all. But this show purposely is made to mock Jesus. It's a gross, gross representation of who he is. It's a misrepresentation, I should say. So what do I do? Was I saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to say no to that show, say no to the money? You know, me and my family will try to suffer for a little bit, and then uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's just stop the income for a while. For, uh, it's a season, so it would be like about two, three months of work. That's a lot. I wasn't saying, wow, yes! <laughs> no, that's not what my heart was. My heart was, I want to be a good husband, I want to bring in money for my family. Money is valuable to me. And now they're taking it away. I just, I, in this past month, month and a half, I was seeing this text come to life for me. 
It was shown to me what my resources are. So I said no to the, to the project. Um, I tried to justify it. I was like, can I work on this secretly and not tell anybody? <laughs> can I just do this at home? You know, I work from home. I could just you know, work on it and then send it. It's a short show. It's, there's a lot of episodes. Spend money. You know? I, I could just do it. They're going to make it anyway. Right. Somebody else is going to take it. <laughs> Why should I let them take the money? My kids need to eat, right? <laughs> These are real thoughts. I wasn't excited. I wasn't happy. I wasn't rejoicing. I wasn't fearless. I was filled with fear. I was scared. I, don't, I didn't remember Jesus as my shepherd standing right there next to me. I didn't at the time. Right away? No. That wasn't the case at all. My other fear was, am I going to lose this person as a client? I mean, they're providing me 90% of my income. Am I going to lose them? And say, sorry, uh, you know, our relationship now has to be cut because I, I can't do this show. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I was filled with fear. The first thing I did, I was went to my wife and talked to her, and she was right off the bat, you're not working on this show. She's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> then we talked about what the consequences are. We made a choice. We're not going to do it. I called my pastor, and he was so helpful. We talked through it. We prayed about it. And it was then I was just like, No. I don't want to stand there on Judgment Day and Jesus calls from his throne, everyone who worked on this show, please come forward. <laughs> no, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> so I sent an email and said, I, I can't do this show. They came back to me and said, come on, don't be a Pharisee. It was really gripping my heart at the time. And then as that was happening, I had this text for some time, and this text started to become real to me. Do I want to have my joy back? Yes. Do I want to get rid of my fear? Yes. What do I need to do? I need to honor Christ the Lord as holy in my heart. Because that's how I'm going to get my joy back. That's how I'm going to get my fearlessness back. If I find my satisfaction in him, he's not going to leave me. And he did. We're still suffering through it. We're still going through it. I mean, December, so January, February, like, who knows what the next project is going to be, where it's going to come from. But I have a shepherd to walk with me. Amen? Amen. This is what we have in Jesus. If you are in Jesus, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forget. He's not going to overlook your problem like, oh, yeah, you're suffering because you're not going to get a few months of cash. Look what I did on the cross. That's not his attitude, <laughs> okay? He feels with us. He put on flesh. He knows what it feels like. He feels with us. He's with us. He owns us. He leads us. He knows me by name. He knows you by name. The more we consider Christ the Lord as holy in our hearts, the more we will learn to be fearlessly joyful. So that's to our hearts. If I feel scared and I feel worried, hey heart, is Christ the Lord as holy? Or are you valuing other things more than him? Fifteen through seventeen. Now we're gonna see 
we are to have humble boldness and glorifying God to those who see our examples. Let's look at the text. Verses 15 through 17. We read this. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. We have to make sure we're not suffering for our own sin here. We have to make sure that the suffering that Peter is talking about is for righteousness' sake, for doing good. If you're doing evil and you suffer, you deserve the suffering. That's what happens to me. He still loves us. We never lost our salvation. He's our shepherd still, but the suffering was caused because of me. You have to be careful about that. So I want to I uh, consider this. We're examples to a world that has no hope. We have real hope. The world doesn't really have hope. They're always up and down. So when they see us and they see our fearless joy through suffering, they're going to come ask you, what is the reason for the hope that's in you? So when you are asked that, are you able to answer them? Are you able to um, answer for the hope clearly and in your own words of why you believe what you believe? Why are you a Christian? Are you doing it because your family does it and you kind of are with them and just go with it? Are you doing it because um, your friends are? They invited you to church and you just go along with them? Why are you a Christian? It could be a hostile question. If you're a Christian, why? Is your answer clear to you. If it's not clear to you, I really encourage you to go home, take 20 minutes aside, write on the top of the paper, why is your name a Christian? And just start writing. In your own words. You don't have to use the text of theologians and speak all this, uh, all this words and stuff to, you know, why are you a Christian? And when you answer them, after you have your clear answer and you answer them, you're not to do it with vulgar or an attack attitude. Well, I'm a Christian because the Bible tells us to be composed, okay? It says to, to, to give the answer with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. See, here's the thing. You know what your condition is. You know what it took Christ to do to save you from that condition. And now your hope is secure in him and you have eternal life and it's settled in your mind. Right? The world doesn't have that at all. They're lost. They value so much other things than Christ. Christ's not even in a category to kind of equalize it. No, it's, it's everything else. So when they're coming to you, the way we answer them, we're not going to sound like them. Right? We're not going to talk their language. I'm going to tell you what my response is. What my Lord did for me on the cross. He is holy to me. That's why I can't do this show. This is what I emailed the guys after I watched an episode. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this show. This is terrible. 
I emailed them and said, look, I appreciate all the business we had together. I look forward to more, but I can't do this show. Jesus is the most precious person to me. And they responded with, okay, understood. And for three weeks, they didn't send me one email, one project, nothing. It was scary. It was scary. So what's going on? What's going on? I, I, I have a good conscience. I didn't do the show. What happens if I did the show? And I stood here telling you, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Oh, yeah, I also worked on that one show. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> It, just, it, be, it won't be right. My conscience would be seared. And when people slander me, how are you preaching that? You don't live it out. Their slander is true. Their slander is true. We're not to live like that. We're to live with people with good conscience. When we make decisions, we make them to have good conscience. So what ended up happening with those guys and was uh, um, Two of the partners went to the other partner, because he was a born-again Christian, and said, hey, we have this show. We want Habib to work on it. You're a born-again Christian. Uh, can you watch the trailer and then convince him to do it? <laughs> you know what happened? They played the trailer, and he st stops it when the first cuss word came out of Jesus. He says, we're not even supposed to have this show in our company. Here's the point. My response caused these people I have no interactions with to consider how valuable Jesus is to them. And the person who told me, don't be a Pharisee, who told me he was a Christian, was probably put to shame. He probably had to reconsider his decision of his, 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 how much he values Jesus. Why can we suffer like this? How can we suffer like this? Let's read verse 18. Let's read verse 18. Last point. Jesus Christ, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So when we were slandering Christ when he came, and we were evil to Christ when he came, and we mocked Jesus when he came, and we treated him horribly when he came. You know, he died for us and he loves us. It put us to shame. It allowed us to reconsider him. And in that same way, that's how we're supposed to live. We are to live with this attitude of, I want you to see Jesus. I know you're harming me, but they harmed my Lord. I want you to know Jesus. My response is going to be gentle, it's going to have a respect for them. It's going to have a respect for God. Jesus suffered for us. We didn't deserve it. We weren't awesome people. But he came and loved us. And then what that happened to, like all of you guys, right? Those of you who put your faith and trust in Jesus at one point, it wasn't Jesus for you. But you heard the gospel it said that you were not good enough and Jesus died for you. It caused you to reconsider him. It caused you to be shamed. That's a good kind of shame. It brought me salvation. It brought you salvation. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to find Jesus as the right resource for our hearts. 
We have to count him as holy. We have to count him as the most valuable treasure that we have. That makes all the, all the other treasures look like commonplace. Jesus is the, the one in my heart. And then that, what that will do is cause us to respond. When my own heart gets all scared and stuff, I can say, no, Jesus is Lord. He's my shepherd. He cares for me. He walks with me. He's right here. And then when others ask me, why are you a Christian? Why do you do the things that you do? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Why? Because Jesus did it for me. Jesus died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for you. He was buried. He was considered dead. They had a funeral. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, and he gives you eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word today. We thank you that you reminded us of your faithfulness to us, your love for us. Lord, and if there's people here that forgotten that about you, we thank you, Lord, that you have reminded us. And for those who don't know you, Lord, we just pray that you would bring them into the fold, that you would call them out by their name, that you would bring them to the fold. Um, we just thank you for the treasures we have in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.